0: that President Bush's, or President Bush, he talked about it too, right? Remember, he talked about, he's Mr. New World Order guy. But now you have Joe Biden talking about how we are gonna lead the New World Order. We're gonna bring the nations together and we're gonna lead this thing. I don't think he's gonna do it by himself. I mean, God help that guy, you know? Pray for him. Father, we do pray for Joe Biden. We pray, Father, that uh, he would fear you, that he'd not be a liar, Lord, that he'd bow before you and do what's right and not promote evil around the world. And at the same time, Father, as uh, immorality is being... Promoted not only in our world, the killing of babies and the destruction of the, 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 the biblical marriage, Father. We pray in your Son's name that you would shake up the leaders of this nations to fear you and the nation, other nations as well in your Son's name. Amen. You know, I try to, uh, every time I critique, not every time, I wish it was every time, I try to think about when I critique these guys and think about these guys, make sure I'm praying for them, you know? So we need to pray for our leaders. The Bible commands that in 1 Timothy 2. I know it's hard to do sometimes when you realize some of them. Have an agenda and are bent on evil. But uh, just praise God that you're here today because this is part two on Gog Magog. And I barely made it because I was on my way quite a while ago. I was like, oh, I'm making really good time, you know. And, I, I, and I, I work, as you know, on my message to the nth degree. And I admit, I'm, I'm working on the way over here. And I'm like, man, my message is shorter than normal. I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool, actually. I can slow down because it's kind of a heavy topic. And I'm like, and then I got to page 10. And I'm like, yeah, it's shorter than normal. It doesn't feel as heavy. Like, I thought it was heavier than this. And then I realized, wait, I, didn't even, I, I went through it three more times. Boom, boom, boom. Where's this part? Where's that part? Oh, no. So I had to turn around and, get, and go back. And by the way, it's funny because my, my wife, Lisa, my Lisa, she's my Lisa. Uh, <laughs> my wife, Lisa, and I will slow down when I start getting the message a little bit. But my wife's like, I'm praying for your message today, just letting you know that. You know, I love you and so forth. That's precious. But she doesn't always, she prays for me a lot. We pray for each other. But she doesn't typically say right before I'm about to preach, I'm praying for the message today. And I'm thinking, huh, I wonder why, do I need extra prayer? And on my way back, I'm like, I need extra prayer, you know. <laughs> uh, and then I, then I, then I, <laughs> then I printed it off. No kidding. This is how, hopefully, the preaching and the message goes better than my morning so far. Then all of a sudden, I take off. Okay, I, I print it out. I hit print and everything. I get some other things done, and I grab my keys and make sure I, I get out. I'm walking to the car. I'm like, it's in the printer. I didn't even grab it off the printer. Oh, yeah, and then in the parking lot here. I left the parking lot, and I go back to my Bible. I'm like, I guess that's the good thing is I'm excited about this message, uh, you know? Uh, but the bad thing is I'm kind of been disjointed. So, Father, I do pray for peace, and that this would be easily to understand, and that you'd be with us in your son's name. Amen. Hence why I've prayed three times now. Uh, anyway, please go to Ezekiel chapter 38. Last week we looked at Gog Magog war, which most prophecy experts that are, you know, believe that are evangelical prophecy so called experts, and expert doesn't really mean anything ultimately because so called experts could be wrong. I get called an expert sometimes in prophecy or apologetics or different things. I say, don't, I don't like that term. I say, don't call me an expert, man, because I think God's the only expert because I think to be an expert, you pretty much have to know everything you can know, okay? So, uh, but most prophecy teachers uh, believe that Gog, and May, that Gog or Magog refers specifically to Russia, okay? I'm not having a really hard time with that. I do want to say this is we all have to have our eyes open because when the war of Gog-Magog goes down, you'll know who it is, okay? But it's good to know what the scriptures say. But at the same time, a lot of them historically that that have said it's Russia, say also some of these cities that are mentioned are Moscow, you know, and others. And they misidentify in Rosh, the word Rosh means Russia. And I've been seeing that for years. And I just couldn't make the linguistic, when you look at the etymology of those terms, uh, identify them as being part of Russia. So what's happening, I think by doing that, we miss part of the bigger picture. I don't have a hard time, based on some language used in Ezekiel, that Russia very well could be in view, and it, it probably is. I'm not going to say it absolutely is Russia because I don't like to do that unless I'm really positive about something. Jesus is Lord? Absolutely. Absolutely he's Lord. Amen. Amen. Gog and Magog are Magog's Russia? I think so, but not absolutely positive. And that way I don't pin the tail on the Antichrist either. That way I don't get fooled. You know, so I like to, but at the same time, you want to see the merit That doesn't mean you stick your head in the sand and say, well, we really can't know for sure. So it's not important. No, last week I mentioned that if you're casual about Bible prophecy, then you're casual about the Bible because the Bible, uh, about a third of it is Bible prophecy, is prophecy. So you can't be a serious student in the Bible and ignore prophecy. And by the way, I said those who were casual about prophecy in Jesus, first coming, missed his first coming. And I'll add to that, those same people that missed his first coming because they were casual about prophecy, nailed him to the cross. Okay, so we need to take Bible prophecy seriously. And I'm going to be saying some things and sharing with you uh, some things today. And I was really happy when it was 10 pages. When it got longer, it only got 13 pages. So it's not like a 22-page thing that I got to race through because I'm going to slow down for you and just go like this if you think I'm so, if I start going too fast, because I could start going too fast, okay? Just go like this and I'll say, Okay, right back there. I'm going too fast already. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Now, if you do that again, I'm going to call on you. Oh, what do you want? No, just teasing. <laughs> no, please do that. I really appreciate that. If I start moving, I need that. So that's really, really good. Uh, Leah, I, I wasn't even talking when you just did it. Oh, you were fixing your hair. Never mind. You're, you're good. You're good. <laughs> it's not Leah anyway. It's Shiloh. <laughs> you know, I was looking at her. I just said her sister's name. Uh, anyway. I'm excited about this passage in Ezekiel 38 and 39. So let's look at the first few verses. Because last week was when, right? This week is who, Who? right? The Gog-Magog war when. The Gog-Magog war who. Who is it, you know? And we don't want to just focus on Russia. I don't think the text does either. Verse 1, and the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, set your face toward Gog or the land of Magog the prince of Rosh, Meshech, and Tubal, and prophesy against him and say, thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against you, O Gog, prince of Rosh, Meshech, and Tubal. Now, it's interesting because Gog is the leader. The word means the chief, speaking of the chief person of Magog, the land area, or the, the people that he rules over. And it's interesting because uh, Prophecy experts have long, you know, mused, you know, who is this? Who is this referring to and what have you? Because this invasion is huge. It's a conglomeration of several of the nations. And some will say, well, seven nations are mentioned. It's really a seven-nation military confederacy. No, it's more than seven nations. Seven nations are mentioned, but then it says in all all kinds of nations. Okay? And uh, so we need to look at who this is. Now, we looked at last week... One of the most popular viewpoints among evangelical Christians is that when the Gog Magog War will take place and they'll invade Israel and it'll be a World War III, when you look at it, it's definitely a world war. Uh, Many prophecy experts, so-called, and uh, when you ever hear me use the word expert, always think so-called, unless I'm talking about God, okay? But many of them uh, are teaching that what's happening right now Looks like the Gog-Magog war is ramping up. Here it comes. And many of them teach that the Gog-Magog war, like Tim LaHaye in the Left Behind book series and the Left Behind movies, right? Joe Rosenberg, a New York Times best-selling prophecy writer, uh, in one of his books, which I quoted this these last weeks, so I'm not going to quote these guys, but they have the Gog-Magog war before the what? Before the tribulation, but also before the what? Before the rapture, right? So they believe that the rapture can't happen, or many of them, I shouldn't say they believe, because they'll hedge their bets to a degree, uh, and they'll say, well, maybe it's going to happen a different way, but a lot of pre-tribs think this is the next thing on the horizon. If you watch the first Left Behind movie, that's what you think. You know, Buck Williams, the reporter for the the, the Weekly Globe or whatever is Kirk Cameron is like, oh no, this is World War III, and then just after that, you know, God destroys all these missiles coming at Israel from Russia, and then guess what, then a little bit later in the movie, the rapture happens. Then the tribulation period. Okay, so we looked at when. Uh, so right now, and the reason I want to address this again for just a, a few moments before we move on, is that uh, this has a lot of people freaked out. A lot of people are like, and it's all over the internet. This is it. The rapture can happen any moment, you know, because some believe the rapture is going to happen and then Gog Magog. So a lot of people think the rapture going to happen any moment. Others think that what's going to happen? The Gog Magog war and then the rapture. And because they've identified Uh, Magog as the, the land of, as the land of Gog and the ruler of Magog, Gog. And many people right now are saying Putin is the Antichrist and so forth. So a lot of people are freaking out right now. But for a few reasons, I've told you, don't freak out, okay? Don't think, don't be alarmed. In fact, listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 24. What we are seeing is wars, right? And there's rumors of wars. And Jesus answered and said to them, see to it in Matthew 24, verse four, that no one misleads you. When it comes to prophecy, you've got to be really serious. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and I will mislead many. You will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. But then he says, see to it that you are not frightened. Amen. Don't be freaked out as a believer. Amen. The worst thing you do is be killed and go to heaven. That's the best thing that could happen to you. As as that sounds, amen, if you're a Christian. For don't be frightened, for those things must take place, but that is not yet the end. Right now, a lot of people think it's the end for them. Rapture, any minute. You know, Gog Magog, then the rapture. For nation will rise against nation, says Jesus, and kingdom against kingdom, and in various places there will be famines and earthquakes, but these things are merely the beginning of birth pains. You know, so a lot of times people, Jesus is concerned, man, how many gals, you know, I mean, come on, I think I would freak out too. You've never had a baby before. You've never been pregnant before. And all of a sudden, even just Braxton Hicks, happens. You're like, this is it. You know, you're one month pregnant. Well, I don't think that happens at one month, but you know, you're, you're along a little bit, right? And then all of a sudden the birth pains, you can start to freak out. And it's good when you're told by other sisters that have been there or just doctors or just people that, hey, you're six months pregnant. You're probably not going to have a baby right now, you know? You're seven. Oh, then you start watching anyway, but you you don't know when exactly the day and the hour is, though, huh? unless you're having a C-section, you know. That's kind of cheating, though, you know. But you know what I mean. My wife's had them, so I don't mean it in a bad way, but guess what? Guess what? A lot of times, I mean, we're in birth pains right now, guys. And Jesus said, it's really the beginning of birth pains, and it's interesting uh, because Russia is rattling its sabers. It's actually threatening the rest of the world with nukes. I mean, Putin said, if, you inter- if people intervene, that's why you, you watch what's going there. And my wife and I, we've been in tears at times. It's like, and she's like, why, don't, why, why doesn't someone do something for these Ukrainians and someone, you know? And of course, the Ukrainian leader's like, we, why don't you help us patrol our airspace? Well, Putin said, if you mess with their airspace, there'll be such catastrophe, he didn't use that word, but he goes, you'll see the likes of destruction that's never been seen on the earth. Okay, now keep in mind, we, do- we dropped... On Nagasaki and Hiroshima, two atom bombs, killing hundreds of thousands of people to stop World War II. He's saying it's to be worse than that, okay? So a lot of people are freaked out because they have these hypersonic nukes, and they got all kinds of them, and Putin seems kind of crazy to people. I, my personal conviction, as far as what he may be doing, I don't know, it could be totally different, but what might be going on, I don't know that he's trying to take all the Ukraine right now. I think that from the I think he wants people to think he's overplayed his hand, which I everybody's saying in the news. He's totally overplayed his hand. Putin's just man. He just didn't even know what he was getting into. Now I think what he's doing is he's making it appear as though he's trying to take Kiev and everything else. And I always say Kiev, and I hear them say Kiev too to some of the some of those journalists. But uh, it looks like it. But guess what? What if he just wants because you take a southern part the southeastern part which he's taking a lot of you take the uh, eastern part of Ukraine you get a lot of the breadbasket there and you get all kinds that's where a lot of their oil is so that's where and guess what oil is power don't we know that right in fact a lot of nations have been struggling not buying their oil we did for quite a while even though we were slapping sanctions we kept taking their oil and feeding the war right well guess what our country, Biden, those guys are saying, you guys need to make some concessions, you know, to stop this war, to Ukraine. They're putting pressure on Ukraine. So what if those concessions become, which Zelensky says he's not going to do it, but what if eventually it becomes, okay, we're going to back off. They already annexed earlier part of Ukraine, Crimea, remember, under, uh, under Biden, under uh, Obama, okay? They've already taken, they took, you know, Chechnya years earlier, and what if they just say, hey, and I don't know, because I'm obviously, when I'm talking like this, I don't believe they're going to go into Israel. I don't believe that, that that's happening now, okay? I don't believe this is the Gog Magog War. And I said, when Y2K was coming, and a lot of people were saying, this is the end of the world, I'm get ready, Jesus is coming. I'm like, no, it's not the end of the world. Too many prophecies have to come to pass. What are you talking about? Just read where it says, ten nations give their power to the beast. That's not happening right now, amen? But you have to keep your eyes open, because I do believe what's going on right now very likely it's part of the prophetic puzzle and it's pushing forward. But I do believe uh, that Russia will say, okay, we're just going to take this part. And guess what? They've already taken a lot of uh, the South and the, and, the, uh, and, the, and the West of Ukraine. They're controlling a big part of it. And they say, okay, we're just going to settle for this. You think we're going to go in and save those people? I don't know about that because we're not even going to try to save the Ukraine. We're arming them. Others are arming them. So what I'm saying is, this could just be a power play for more. Oil, and the breadbaskets of the world, they say, you know, parts of Ukraine and and Russia in the past, and they got some of that, and then they got all kinds of oil. And not just the oil in that part of Ukraine, but they've got the oil in the sea area right below Ukraine now, which is a huge, vast uh, oil production area. So that's what I think may be going on, and those are the concessions that may be made. And that is neither here nor there with regard to Bible prophecy. Because that, I'm just saying that strategically is what I believe may very well be happening. Uh, and I could be very wrong on that. But I know what isn't wrong, and that's the word of God. And, it, and so I said that's not prophetically stated that it'll happen that way. But Russia is rattling its sabers. Uh, while living in the country of Russia, journalist uh, David Satter, he talked about waiting in a potato line. And he said in the potato line, these long lines for potato, because Russia doesn't do so hot financially. A fight broke out, and the fight broke out, and and between a a couple guys, and uh, one of the guys promptly uh, answered, uh, well, somebody said, these lines are a disgrace, how can we live like this? And one was, uh, somebody promptly answered, and uh, the answer was actually given by an old woman, never mind, the whole world is afraid of us. So some of them, just by the world being afraid of them, makes them happy in Russia, In other words, take Crimea, you know, take Chechnya, uh, take more of Ukraine, because Putin falls in disfavor, then he goes to war, and then a lot of the country rallies for him, part of the country that rallies against him, boom. Okay, you're arrested. Okay, you're 10 years in jail or whatever it is, you know. Uh, So it's quite interesting, but this is not the end. This is not the end. And the Apostle Paul was really concerned that people would freak out before the end, just like Jesus warned. In fact, Paul says in 2 Thessalonians chapter two, you remember when he says, don't be disturbed or shaken in mind. The Greek word shaken in mind is the Greek word seismos, which we get seismic from, earthquakes. Don't have personal earthquakes of anxiety. And and he goes on to say, no one deceives you regarding the timing. For that day, what day was he talking about in the context? Concerning Christ's coming and our being what? Gathered together to him, the rapture, the second coming, the rapture, that will not take place in what, until what two events, Paul says, would happen first? The fallen away and the revelation of who? The Antichrist. So people were freaking out because they'd come to believe that the rapture had come to be at hand or had already taken place. The Greek word could be translated both ways. But Jesus says, right after he said, don't be freaked out, he goes on to say, they will deliver you to tribulation, verse 9. Right after he said the other verses I read, and will kill you, and you'll be hated by all nations because of my name. At that time, many will fall away and betray one another and will hate one another. So many will fall away. Then he said in verse 15, a few verses later, when you see the abomination of desolation stand in the holy place, what do you say? Let those in Judea go to the mountains, amen? And then immediately he says, after the what? Tribulation. The Son of Man will come, and he'll gather his elect from the four winds of heaven. So God really clearly gives us the order of Second Thessalonians. He gives it to us in Matthew 24. He tells us when we see these things happening, don't freak out. Don't think, I'm going to miss the rapture. Or, or this is the, the Gog-Magog war, because last week we found out that that, is this the Gog-Magog war right now? Oh, no. When does the Gog-Magog war take place? After the tribulation, After the tribulation at, or at what, battle? Armageddon, Armageddon Okay. We looked, into, looked at a lot of scriptures on that. We looked at like, I don't know what, seven different views. And we saw that the viewpoint that the pre-tribs have, that it happens just right, just right before the rapture, or a few months or a few years I think Ron Rhodes, uh, one of the leading prophecy, preacher of prophecy guys I was able to drop the word "experts there. He's like three and a half years before the tribute, before the rapture is the gog-magog war he believes. We saw that that can't happen. Uh, because the timing's way off. Because when does Gog and Magog go into Israel to try to destroy Israel? When they have, when they are what? Unwalled, unwalled? and they're secure. Like they, they, they're unwalled. They just feel like there's nothing to be worried about. That's not right now, okay? Israel's on high alert right now. And you'll see why as we identify who Gog and Magog or Magog might be and her allies, because they're identified. We can know for certain who some of these players are for sure. And that's the exciting thing. And it's pretty scary the way it's shaping up. And we know that Israel, that the Antichrist will make a seven-year peace pact, right? Mm -hmm. Daniel 9, 27, right? And then the the Israel feel really protected. They're even going to restart their their sacrifices. They seem to be at ease because people say of the Antichrist, who can make war with him, right? And what are they all going to be saying? Peace and what? peace and safety, or as many translations have it, peace and security. So then they will put their guard down. Then the Antichrist will sit in the temple of God, it says, shall claim to be God and want to be worshiped. And people have to take his, his name or the number of his name on the right hand or their forehead. So now let's identify some of the major players in this war. Go to Revelation 13. And I'm so grateful that not only was last week's study done as far as when, but I'm so grateful we already looked at Nebuchadnezzar's dream of the metallic image that represented the different kingdoms that would be related to Israel all the way until the end times. He skips over many, of course, and goes right to the very end. And we looked at Daniel's vision of the different wild beasts. Do you remember that? Yeah. And what each beast represented to identify, okay, what's this final beast look like? And by, by now, since we won't have to cover all that again, but I'll cover enough where you're like, wow, okay? Because you can know, okay, a lot of people are clueless. I say 99% plus of Christians are unaware of what Revelation 13 says and who this is and how this fits into the Gog-Magog war. But in Revelation 13, we have something very interesting. And this is kind of how I ended one of those messages. But now I need to refresh your memory so as we can go back to Gog and Magog. And the dragon who does the dragon represent in Revelation? Uh, Satan. Satan. You find that in Revelation 12.9. It's called the serpent the, de- uh, the, the, the serpent of old. It's called the devil, Satan, and the dragon all in one verse. And the dragon stood on the sand of the seashore. Then I saw what? A beast coming up out of the sea, having ten horns. Now, brothers and sisters, we have time to get all this. But the ten horns, you find out in Revelation chapter 17, represent the ten nations that give their power to the beast, okay? Has 10 horns and seven heads, okay? And I don't have time to get into the seven heads. Five have been, one is, one yet to come. You don't need to know all that right now. And on his horns were 10 diadems, okay? These are not stephanos, these are diademas in the Greek, which are royal crowns, kingly crowns. And on his head were blasphemous names, okay? So this beast he sees has 10 heads in Revelation Or 10 horns. The 10 horns are 10 nations, it says in Revelation 17, that give their power to the beast, the Antichrist, which many people believe is Putin right now, okay? Now, I don't see 10 nations giving their power to Putin. Now, if there was a coalition of 10 nations that gave their power to Putin, I'd be okay, let's watch, okay? But there's other scriptures that he doesn't fit. Doesn't have a desire for women, and there's different ways you can understand that. Says he's more stout than his fellows. I never think of Putin as stout. I mean, I know he rips his shirt off, he rides horses, he comes out of the sea with treasures like he just found it all in the ocean. There's a lot of stuff. They make him like a god over there for sure. He's a political genius, no doubt, but he's not more stout than his fellows, okay? Now, uh, however, I'm open. <laughs> you know, if he, all of a sudden, someone proves his num- name is 666 and he's telling everybody taking his right hand it, I'll go, okay, I ain't taking that, amen? <laughs> but right now, it's like a little premature. Uh, but the, the beast has 10 heads. That's 10 days to give their power to the beast. Now, follow this. In the book of Daniel, am I going slow enough? Yeah, yeah. In the book of Daniel, you have these different beasts described, but then there's a final beast, which is the Antichrist kingdom, remember? And it has 10 what? You remember it has 10 horns, remember? Yeah. Same one. But, but it's more diverse than the, it's diverse. He doesn't describe what it looks like. And Daniel's a sealed book, but he describes the beasts that come before it. And the first beast he describes, which corresponds to the head of gold, right, has head, it's a lion. And that, that's the, and what, what kingdom is the lion? Babylon. Babylon, amen. In fact, that's their insignia. They didn't even know that was their insignia until the last, sometime in the last century. They started digging up their insignias from Daniel's time, and they're lions with wings. And so the lion is is Babylon, and which is modern-day what, by the way? Modern-day Iraq. Keep that in mind, okay? And then he sees what comes after the lion? A bear, right? And the bear is lopsided. It's big on one side, small on the other. And what, what empire succeeded Iraq, the Babylonian empire, and took over? The Medo-Persians. In fact, Daniel was set free, and they were set free, and they went into Persia for a time until the Persian king Artaxerxes let Daniel go back into the land and rebuild Jerusalem. Remember that? That was the Persians. They were the big ones of Medo-Persia. And Persia, the bear represents, who's Persia today? Iran. I mean, okay. Now you got Iraq and Iran where those first two beasts. Then he says he saw a leopard, right? And the, leopard, the leopard's quick. Who took over after Persia ruled? The Greeks. the Greeks, Alexander the Great, amen. And the Greeks, they were ruling, right? Now Daniel says something interesting. He goes beyond the Greeks and he takes us all the way to Syria because he says, he describes also it as a ram later on in the prophecy and it's got that, you know, one, uh, well, I'm sorry, the, the goat, you know. It's got that horn that's broken, which is Alexander the Great, right? And then four of his generals, he tells us, he spells this out. He says, this is Greece. You just read it, what the goat represents. And he says four of the generals, his generals, will take over the land he took over that Alexander the Great took over. Four different, I mean, they did. That's exactly what happened. This is prophecy, man. We have the word of God here, guys. So it's history. You can look it up. Four of his generals took over his land. They divided amongst themselves. Well, in time, one of those areas of land was ruled by a Greek emperor, and this is Syria, in Syria, named Antiochus Epiphanes. Antiochus Epiphanes, in the second century before Christ, went into the temple in the intertestamental period between the Old and New Testament and that period of time, when in the temple smeared pigs' blood all over the walls because pigs were considered unclean by the Jews to defile the temple. And he put a statue of Zeus up because that was the chief god of the Greeks. The chief god of the false gods is Satan, really, right? And he put his head on top of it. And he called himself, as Antioch Epiphanes, he called himself God Manifest. And he declared himself to be God. Now Jesus revealed to us that this was a precursor of the coming Antichrist. Because Jesus talked about the abomination of desolation 200 years later or so. When you see the abomination of desolation, she's in the holy place. So, because guess what? After Antiochus Epiphanes ruled, then John, brings, or the book of Daniel, brings you to the last empire. And that is the beast that's diverse from the other beast. It's different. But he doesn't tell us what animals it looks like. He doesn't say well, it looks like this. He doesn't say it looks like a baboon or something. He just says it looks di- it's diverse. That book's sealed up to the time of the end. Then the book of Revelation is written. At least, can you get my tea, baby? I'm kidding. Did anybody hear that? Sometimes I hear things my wife's like, you know, when the kids say, can you hear this? And the old people can't hear it. I can still hear it. However, if a lot of people are talking in a room and there's a lot of music, I can't hear what that person said across the room. You know, it's how weird how that works. But that's, I never heard that cell sound before. Anyway, uh, you guys did hear some, right? Yeah. Oh, praise the Lord. I'm not hearing things. Okay. <laughs> anyway, you have this diverse beast that looks different than all the other beasts. And, and then, but the book of Revelation, John said, don't steal up the book, this book. Amen? Because now these things are, can come to pass and he gives us more information on that final diverse beast. He tells us what it's made up of what it looks like. Revelation has 10 horns, just like Daniel does tell us it has 10 horns. But in verse two, it says, and the beast which I saw was like a leopard. Ah, remember Syria, Antiochus Epiphanes, the zenith of the Grecian empire as it related to Israel was through Syria. It's interesting. In Daniel 9, 27, 24 through 27, it talks about the coming Antichrist that says the people of the prince to come will destroy the temple and the sanctuary. Well, you know what the Romans were ruling at that time, so a lot of people think, ah, it's the Romans. The Antichrist is going to be a Roman. And I don't say no absolutely on any of these ideas. Because the Romans did. They were ruling, right? They they destroyed the temple, but guess what? Josephus, a Jewish historian, tells us that the Romans weren't going to destroy the temple. But the Syrian, Assyrian conscript working under the Romans fired arrows on fire because they hated the Jews into the temple, burned it up, everything's on fire. So they threw the stones off to get to the gold which was melting into the, between the huge stones because the Jews didn't use mortar, okay? And that it was the Syrians that actually, so many believe based on that prophecy and Josephus that it will be a Syrian lady, leader. Not a Syrian, but a, pause, Syrian leader, okay? Assyria was, a little, was up further north, Now, it's interesting. That's just interesting because I I like to be open on these things. I say, hmm. And and by the way, Rome isn't just Italy, okay? We're all those Rose Italians. Rome was, Rome took a big part of Europe, right, up toward uh, you know, what came right after they left England and right up toward the Scots they never were able to take the Scots. They, they tried to take Germania. They stopped there. They had a huge swath of land, but they took a lot of the Middle East. So much so that guess what? Paul was able to be not, Paul was able to get a trial in the book of Acts because he said, I am a what? Roman citizen. So you had the western part of Rome and the eastern part of Rome. Hence, those two iron legs in Nebuchadnezzar's vision. But the ultimate manifestation of that Antichrist kingdom is not those two legs, southern and, or or, I'm sorry, western and eastern Rome, it's those two feet mixed with clay and iron, right, with the ten toes, the ten toes, the ten, they give their power to the beast, just another vision. Okay, now, you don't have to even understand all of what I just said to understand what we're going to continue to talk about, but uh, it's interesting, when we get to this final beast, it's identified for us I'm not talking about the Antichrist himself, the beast man, the Antichrist, but the regions. And the beast which I saw was like a leopard. Okay, that would be the Grecian Empire through Syria or Syrian Antioch's epiphanies with maybe Greece thrown in, right? And his feet were like those of a bear. Who's the bear represent? Persia, which is what today? Because now we're talking about today. It's Iran. Woo, man. Now we're looking at Syria and we're looking at Iran and his mouth was like the mouth of a lion. And who was the lion? Iraq. Iraq. Right? So you got Iraq, you got Iran, you got Syria. Guess who the biggest allies of Russia are in the Middle East? Iran and Syria. And by the way, guess who is occupying much of Iraq now since we left after deposing, you know, Hussein? Iran. In fact, Iran, we just had a skirmish with them because they sent some missiles or whatever it was at our consulate there, that we still have a the consulate there, and they're just throwing their weight around. I've told you before that most Muslims are Sunni. But it's interesting that Syria and Iran and parts of Iraq and Iran having more and more influence on Iraq are Shiites. The Shiites are the ones who have the hadith along with the Quran, and the Hadith, talk about a leader, their last imam that will come in and make a covenant with Israel for seven years, just like the Bible says. But he's a good guy, not the Antichrist. And he'll come in on a white horse. Revelation 6, 1 and 2 shows the Antichrist comes on a white horse long before Jesus comes, but he comes with a bow, right? Not having many diadems like Jesus, but having one. And it's a false peace movement. It isn't interesting that the Shiites talk about how they're going to destroy the people of the cross. That's us. And Sunnis and Shiites and all their mosques all over the place, many of them quote uh, Muhammad saying that when their Messiah comes back, which will be the Antichrist, but for him it will be the Messiah, the, the rocks will cry out and say, hey, there's a Jew behind me or a tree will cry out, there's a Jew behind me, come and kill him. So they're preparing for their Armageddon to kill Christians and Jews. That sounds a lot like the book of Revelation. In fact, how do the Muslims kill people? They behead you. What does the book of Revelation say? They're going to do to those who don't take the mark of the beast. They're going to behead them. What do they do when they blow up a bunch of people? They send gifts to one another. The Bible says when the two witnesses are killed, in the book of Revelation, who witness for the Lord, that the nations around them will, will send gifts to each other. That's not talking about, well, I'm not going to get ahead of myself here. But let me just say this. This is pretty freaky, okay, that, that there's so many Muslim countries, but that Russia would specifically in the Middle East be attached to two, two nations that would love to see Israel just wiped off the face of the map. Are you still with me now? Yes sir. yes, sir. I just think this is all very fascinating. Now, it's interesting because we're going to get deeper and deeper. Now go to Ezekiel chapter 38. We read the first few verses, but I want to... Look at verse 8 now. And it's interesting because when you get to Ezekiel chapter 38, verse 8, we read something I think is fascinating because this couldn't have happened, this war, before 1948. Because we read in verse 8, after many days, you will be summoned, I'm talking about Gog and Magog, and in the latter years, and later it says the last days, and here it says the latter years, you will come into the land. That is what? restored from the sword, whose inhabitants have been gathered from what? Many nations. That's not just regathering from Babylon. That's not that regathering. This is from many nations, right? Which has been a continual waste. So it will have been a continual waste, which Israel had been up until just a little while ago, 1948. Hadn't been a country for about 1,900 years. Which had been a continual waste, but its people were brought out from the nations. And they are living securely, all of them. Now, they're not all living totally securely. In fact, there was just a thing, a skirmish that so, I think so many people died just last week. But uh, that's going to happen at the end of the tribulation. We know this war happens at the end of the tribulation, and I don't have time to do it, but go and get who? You know or go get uh, uh, when. I'm sorry. God, may God go or when." And when I go through seven scenarios, I'm, I show you with revelation, parallel text, back and forth over and over again, and when this war happens, God will just so destroy this confederation, confederation of nations with fire that all the nations will know that he's the true God. If it happened already, it didn't work. So all the nations don't know that he's the one true God. And then Israel will know that he's the true God. And that's why they're converted at the end of the tribulation period. But this will be after the restoration of Israel, right? So what's interesting is we can identify where, which we're focusing more on this message, is, which I think is really interesting, is three different times we're told from the north. Now, some, but not just the north, you guys. Not just the north. Some say, oh, well, Babylon kind of came, they came from the north, so maybe it's just like something comes from the north. No, he doesn't say they just come from the north, but these people are actually from, not just the north, the remotest parts of the north from Israel. Open a map up and draw a line straight from Israel to the remotest parts of the north before you hit the North Pole. North Pole, nobody's there, right? Right? So just keep going north. No nation's there to fight Israel. Go as far as you can north on a map. And who do you run into? You run into who? Russia. Okay. You go through Turkey. I, Turkey's part of it, by the way, I believe. Okay. We're going to see that. That's why you don't want to misidentify Rosh and Meshek and so forth because Turkey's in play too. And I don't want to get ahead of myself, but who's the one that the main people talking to the Russians right now trying to make broker peace between them and the Ukraine? Turkey. Erdogan their leader, who wants to rebuild the Ottoman Empire, which ruled for 400 years and almost took over all Europe for Islam. And it wasn't until the you know, early 1900s that uh, they were beat back by the British as far as the lands that they had taken. They were occupying Israel as well. So I am getting a little bit ahead of myself here. But uh, they're from what parts of the north? Look at verse six of chapter 38. Gomer with all its troops, Beth uh, to Garma, from the what? From the remote, from what? The, the remote parts of the north. With all its troops, many peoples with you. Verse 14. Therefore prophesy, son of man, say to Gog, thus says the Lord God, on that day when my people Israel are living securely, will you know it? You will come from your place out of what? Out of, the, out of, not just the north, out of what? Remote parts of the north. Do you have a translation of someone who said far north over here? Far north, that's another translation. From the far north or from the remote, what parts of the north? You and and what? Many peoples with you. All them riding on horses, great assembly, and a mighty army. Of course, they can't describe tanks and stuff in those days, right? So use the colloquial language of the time. Verse 16. And you will come up against my people Israel like a cloud to cover the land. It shall come about in the, what? In the last days that I will bring you against my land. So that the nations may what? Know me. That means all the evolutionists, all the atheists, all the New Agers, gonna, all the you know, Buddhists are all going to know who the one true God is. When I am sanctified through you before their eyes, O oh God, just like he did when he allowed the Egyptians to persecute his people, then he waylaid through 10 plagues the Egyptian gods and they realized these are false gods and that Yahweh is the one true God. That's going to happen again. Amen. By the way, do you have the NIV, bro? New King James? Because uh, NIV also has Far North. I checked out different translations. The NLT has the distant north. The ESV has the, now check out the ESV, English Standard Version, very literal translation, the uttermost parts of the north, okay? American Standard Bible, out of the uttermost parts of the north. Christian Standard Bible, which I think is a very good translation in many ways. The remotest, the remotest parts of the north, okay? Draw a line to the remotest parts of the north. And I'm not talking about, ice Ice isn't going to attack Israel. Yeah, Russia. Isn't that a trip, man? Now, it gets crazier. Revela- or Ezekiel 39, 1 and 2. And you, son of man, prophesy against Gog and say, thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against you, O Gog, prince of Rosh, Meshech, and Tubal. I will turn you around and drive you, uh, 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 <laughs> drive you on, take you up from the remotest parts of the north and bring you against the mountains of Israel. I think God's trying to tell us something. When I see remotest parts of the north three times, I think, you know what? That probably means something very important. And that's why I can't excuse Russia from this picture. It's just too specific. If it just said the north, I'd say, yeah, it could be somebody coming from the north, right? But it's interesting. He says he's going to take them for the remotest parts of the north. In other words, that's where they're from, it's not just the route they take. Are you with me now? Because some say, well, maybe the route, maybe they're going to be another side, the left, east, or west, or whatever, and just come from the north. No, he's going to take them from the most parts of the north. That's where they're from, which is really interesting. By the way, Ronald Reagan, uh, one of our uh, last conservative presidents, called Russia the evil empire. And listen to what he said. This is what, Russia, this is what Reagan said. Ezekiel says that fire and brimstone will be rained upon the enemies of God's, of, of God's people. That must mean that they'll be destroyed by nuclear weapons. By the way, we will not, they will not be destroyed by nuclear weapons. I don't know why I said that. They exist now; they never did in the past. Okay, Ezekiel tells us that Gog, the nation that will lead all the other powers of darkness against Israel, will come out of the north. Biblical scholars have been saying for generations that Gog must be Russia. What other powerful nation is to the north of Israel? None. But it didn't seem to make sense before Russia, the Russian Revolution, when Russia was a Christian country. Now it does. Now that, Rush, now that Russia has become communistic, which it was in his, in his day, and atheistic, which much of it still is, now that Russia has set itself against God, now it fits the description of Gog perfectly. Kind of interesting you got a president saying that, right? Now it's interesting. Things, a lot of liberals are like, oh, Russia's nice, you know. Hillary had the reset button she gave to the lead, one of the leaders at Russia. and Oh, isn't this sweet, you know. Phew, don't underestimate evil and unregenerated people. And not that she was regenerated, definitely not. Uh, Several ancient historians, okay? Philo, Herodotus, uh, others, identify Magog as the Scythian people. In fact, instead of going to those historians and bogging you down with historical quotes from historians, I've already quoted Josephus, who talked about the Syrian conscript that destroyed the temple with fire, right? I'll quote Josephus again. Josephus stated, quote, listen to this, Magog, founded by the Magogians, Magog, founded by the Magogians, thus named after him, but who by the Greeks are called Scythians. He identified the Magogians, though those of Magog, the land of Magog, as the place of the Scythians. Now, Josephus was a contemporary of the Apostle Paul's, lived the same time Apostle Paul did. One of the most important Jewish historians, and this is from his Antiquity of the Jews, now, it's interesting, uh, Wikipedia, which I don't quote, but since they agree with this point, Wikipedia of Magog says, Romanized Jewish historian Josephus knew them as a the nation descended, I do quote them once in a while, but I try not to quote them too much, uh, there's a lot of accurate information, but you got to watch the liberal slant sometimes, Romanized Jewish historian Josephus knew them as a the nation descended from Magog, the, Japh- the Japhetite as in Genesis, and explain them to be Scythians. The Scythians, the first century Jewish historian, Josephus identified Gog and Magog people as Scythians. If you look up on Wikipedia, the Scythians, you'll see that they occupy a lot of Russia today. Isn't that interesting? So Josephus, when he reads Magogians, he's thinking, you know, those people that occupy a lot of what's Russia today and their former satellite states, many of them, in the southern part of the USSR. Isn't this interesting? So it's not just, you know, the remotest parts of the north. You also have this connection with Josephus. And there's also, I think it was in 2017, DNA evidence showing that the, uh, uh, the Russians, many of the Russians are of, of Scythian uh, descent and so forth. Uh, now it's interesting. This gets kind of crazy because now you have Russia rattling its sabers. Very much an ally of Syria and Iran, two of the nations that are the biggest threats to Israel. Putin and the Russians have been working, even recently, trying to get a deal so Iran can finish their nuclear, getting their nuclear weapons. Russia, perhaps Magog, has also been in Syria with the civil war, with ISIS there, and the different Muslim groups, remember? And they were going to leave in 2019. It's interesting because it talks about, and I don't believe this prophecy is being fulfilled right there. I um, believe this is all very much part of it, very likely. Not positive, but it sure looks like it. Because all this trajectory can change, you know. And, and it, it, but So I'm very, very careful. But man, if you talk about pieces coming together, it's really crazy too, you know. So I'm like, hmm, I'm watching this. Is in 2019... He was, they announced they are going to pull out their troops from Syria. Syria, by the way, is right on the border of Russia. So when we go on our Israel trips, guess where we go? We look at Syria from Russia and we see burnout tanks all over the place from when the Syrians came in and tried to destroy Russia before And you see these burnout tanks. We talk to soldiers. We actually have really cool trips because Ted Walker and and Linda set them up for us. So we actually go with like officers and stuff or retired officers and stuff and go in their jeeps and stuff and take rides through the Syrian border, you know, staying on the Israeli side. Okay. Stay on the Israeli side. Okay, please. Okay. And then they stop and they get burnout bunker type things and they're showing us, you know, what's going on now in the Islamic world all around them and why they're real concerned, it's way beyond what people even realize and there's all these different people against them and so forth, non-believers, Jewish guys, young guys, older guys, pretty trippy. But you're looking into Syria, you're seeing their military outpost even from the ground just without binoculars. And guess who's in Syria? Russia, okay? And they're an ally of Syria. Now, it's interesting They were given part of the port of Latakia, which is, uh, uh, Latakia is a uh, port that's the most important port to Syria, and they were given parts of that port to bring in their military power, Russia. Okay, this is very interesting because it gives Russia security for their military and a naval base in the Mediterranean right by Israel, okay, and nearby TARDIS, okay, which is, gives Russia access to the Mediterranean Sea, which is a big deal for Russia because when you're in Israel, we go into the Mediterranean Sea. It's just beautiful, right? On, this, on December 28th of 2021, that's just a few months back, uh, a few months ago, shortly before dawn, the Israeli Air Force struck, and I'm reading from a, a news outlet, struck the port causing heavy damage to a number of shipping containers. The site was also targeted by Israel Israel a few weeks earlier on December 7th by an anonymous source claimed the containers were carrying weapons from Iran. So they said, hey, we're not going after Russia's weapons. We're going after Iran's weapons being shipped to Syria. So we're talking, man, the leopard, the <laughs> the bear, and the lion all being at play here with Magog. The Guardian, okay, a popular uh, British newspaper says, an Israeli airstrike hit Syria uh, Latakia's port before dawn on Tuesday, just a few months ago, sparking a fire that lit up the Mediterranean seafront in the, in, uh, the second such attack on the cargo hub this month. Syrian state media reported since the outbreak of Syria's civil war in 2011, Israel has routinely carried out airstrike on its neighbor, mostly targeting Syrian government troops as well as allied Iran-backed forces and Hezbollah fighters. Okay. February 15th, I was reading in a a Muslim newspaper. That's just a month and a half ago. Okay. I was reading in uh, Algeria. I read all kinds of weird stuff. Al Al Jazeera, which is a popular Muslim newspaper, by the way. Quote, Russian... Russia's defense minister, Sergei Shogu, has visited Syria for talks with President Bashar al-Assad. The tip comes as the Russian military develops. Now check this out. The tip comes as the military, Russian military deployed long-range nuclear-capable bombers and fighters, jets carrying state-of-the-art hypersonic missiles to its, base, to its air base in Syria for massive naval drills in the region. You guys, they're putting their hypersonic nukes in Syria right next to Israel. And if Josephus is right, that, that's Magog. And if we're reading the farthest parts of the north and we draw a line and it looks like it's Russia too, and they're in cahoots with these other nations which are in play biblically as the beast's empire in Revelation 13, the first couple of verses, it gets really interesting. And am I going okay still? Not too fast. Because I don't want to lose everybody. I, I can lose you and I got to be careful there. The two discussed military technical cooperation as part of a joint fight against international terrorism. But why do you think they went into Ukraine. Terrorism, Nazism, you know? Any excuse they want, right? And Russian humanitarian assistance to the people of Syria, suffering from the prohibitive sanctions of the United States and Western countries. That's why they're bringing their nukes in there. Okay? Long range nuclear, this is the Muslim newspaper, long range nuclear capable Tu 22 M3 bombers and the, M- the MiG 31 fighter jets carrying the latest, the latest Kinzhal hypersonic cruise missiles which are, the Russians call the dagger, okay? And by the way, I don't know if you remember, a couple weeks ago, guess what they unleashed on Ukraine? Those hypersonic weapons. They just didn't, weren't carrying nuclear warheads. And then one of the former so-called experts in policy, who's former Russian but is part of the United States defense or has been in the past, she said they've done this to scare us to let us know that, yes, they can use these hypersonic weapons. And, it, and they said, yeah, we use... Hypersonic weapons to destroy whatever building, but they just didn't have nuclear warheads on them. And it landed in the Russian airbase in Syria's coastal province of Latakia. I'm shifting back to the other one as part of the drills. The military says that the Kinzhal has a range of up to 2,000 kilometers, that's 1,250 miles, guys, uh, and flies at 10 times the speed of sound, making it hard to intercept. Now, a little bit on hypersonic weapons. I went to military.com. I've done this before, but I went there again this morning. Hypersonic weapons, at is on military.com. Hypersonic weapons such as the Russia's 3M22 Zykon fly so fast and low at speeds of up to Mach 6 and as low as atmospheric ballistic trajectory that they can penetrate traditional anti-missile defense systems. Military.com goes on to say, The missile flies with an advanced fuel that the Russians say gives it a range of 1,000 kilometers Okay, a uh, little bit different than the other number there, uh, and it's so fast that the air pressure in front of the weapon, the air pressure so fast that the air pressure in front of the weapon forms a plasma cloud as it moves, absorbing radio waves and making it practically invisible to active radar systems. U.S. Aegis missile interceptor systems require eight to ten seconds of reaction time to intercept incoming attacks. In those eight to 10 seconds, the Russian Zykron missiles will already have traveled 20 kilometers and the interceptor missiles do not fly fast enough to catch up. Now, you know, one of the reasons that the US may be concerned about engaging Russia, even though we have a more powerful, and if they nuked us, we would nuke them. You probably have mutual destruction, right? And hopefully we don't have leaders on both sides or either side that are that crazy to just pull that off right now. We know what's gonna happen in the future. So, uh, Russians claimed that they used this nuclear-capable hypersonic missile to strike at what, they said it was a a munition warehouse in Ukraine, okay? This is crazy, man, when you check this stuff out, what's going on. Now, (sighs) the Jewish newspaper, uh, Heretz, Recently reported, quote, Russia condemned the Israeli occupation of the Golan Heights. This just happened, by the way, a couple weeks ago. Russia, in the middle of this Ukrainian war, they condemned the occupation of the Golan Heights, which is Israel, their high mountain areas next to Syria, which was part of Syria, which when the Syrians were sending missiles and some of them went over Ted and Linda's home, you know, where they, lived, where they used to live, they were firing them from the Golan Heights. So the Israelis said, we're taking the Golan Heights. So they took the Golan Heights. And now this uh, Jewish newspaper, Heretz, says, uh, Russian condem- Russia condemned the Israeli occupation of the Golan Heights on Wednesday and said it does not recognize Israel's sovereignty in the region, the statement issued before Russia's all-out assault on Ukraine. Oh, and what does is, what is, what is uh, Russia do when they don't recognize your sovereignty over certain territory? What's happening in Ukraine right now, right? So this could be, why are they saying that? Well, a lot of people think this is it, this is it. I'm saying... I could be wrong, but I don't think this is it, okay, because I believe this happens at Armageddon. By the way, the wrong information, a lot of prophecy experts say that these other players that are involved, and some of those things I just, those I mentioned were uh, Rosh, right, Meshach, and Tubal, they say uh, that Rosh is a derivative, a derivative of the name Russia, okay, which you cannot find that, you can't prove that linguistically. It sounds good, Sounds good in a prophecy book, but just because it sounds like it doesn't mean it came from it. There's no tie-in where they're able to prove that. Meshek, they say, uh, is now Moscow. Well, there's no linguistic connection between the two. Okay? Tubal, they say, is Toblisk, which is a Russian city. Okay? But they're not able to make those connections linguistically other than the sa- they sound the same. You know? uh, So we've got to be careful of that. But you know where all those three places are? Two out of those three at least are we're in ancient Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey, which is Muslim, which is dealing with Russia right now and Ukraine, and, and he's kind of playing both sides of the issue, right, giving Ukraine some weapons, but saying to Russia, we're not going to sanction you, and, they're, and Russia's sitting down with them. The, the guy, the, you know, the leader of Spain has been calling, uh, the, like crazy calling <coughs> Putin, but Putin's talking to the, the, mainly talking to Turkey, which is in another Islamic nation, Kind of interesting. Now, this is kind of, th- three days ago, The Guardian reported, quote, Turkey, Turkey leads pack of countries vying to mediate between Ukraine and Russia. It went on to say that t- t- Turkey's not imposing the sanctions and so forth. Moscow Times, capital of Russia, Moscow Times says Russia will be, now this is interesting, Russia will be one-third Muslim in 15 years, Chief, Mult, uh, Chief uh, Mufti predicts. And then in the Moscow Times, because I read some of the article, around 30% of the Russian population will practice Islam within the next 15 years, Russia Grand Mufti has predicted, citing demographic trends. Meaning, right now, Putin's been having a hard time getting the Russians to procreate. Not the Muslims in Russia, not those Russians. They're doing great. (laughs) According to experts, Russia... uh, the Muslim population in Russia will increase to 30% in a decade and a half, said Ravil uh, Ganudin. I might be butchering his name there. Ganudin. The chairman of the Council of Muftis, a religious group representing Russia's Muslim community. Archpriest Dmitry Smirnov of the official Russian Orthodox Church, okay, claiming to represent Christianity, agreed with... uh, Gay Newton's forecast and predicted that, quote, there won't be any Russians left by 2050, meaning it'll be all Muslim. So I think this is very interesting. If this is a setup and time goes by, Russia itself becomes far more and more Muslim. I'm not saying no there won't be any Russian people there by 2050, as this Orthodox arch is saying, but I think it's quite interesting that there's so many Muslims there right now and he definitely have them helping them to protect their, what they perceive as holy land. Now go back to Ezekiel 38. Let's pick it up. Verse five. Look, let's look at some of the nations that are allies. There's seven mentioned, some of their allies. Verse five, who's the first one that's an ally? Persia. Persia is who? Iran. Iran. Hello, guys. Isn't that a trip? Yeah. Persia's the first one on the list. Okay, so we have Persia, which, by the way, was changed their name to Iran in 1935. They were, now, Persian, now, by the way, I just want to let you know, I've studied these different nations here, and what I trip out on is it's not like they're all, if you go through Ezekiel, he prophesies against a lot of nations, these nations aren't, he doesn't have these on his table of nations that he's dealing with, because these nations weren't like a confederacy, they're distant from each other, they're they're fractured, their cultures weren't the same, there wasn't nothing that really united them back then, didn't make any sense. In fact, most Jews had, were clueless when, when they'd read this who these nations even were. Persia, they were nothing pretty much. And then after Babylon, man, they, as Babylon was ruling, they became a huge power. But what's crazy about this is Iran is the first on the list. And in 1935, even if you looked at this prophecy in 1950, it wouldn't make a lot of sense because guess what? The, or in 1975, 1980, 1975, 1980, we had the Shah of Iran. He was pro-U.S. He was considered a puppet for the West, for the United States. And they threw him out of office. They deposed him. And since then, the Ayatollahs uh, have been reigning right before 1980. Okay, in 1979, Iran became officially, it became the Islamic Republic of Iran run by the Ayatollahs. And they have since talked about wiping Israel off the face of the earth ever since then. That's right. And now they're united with Syria. So isn't it weird? And by the way, there's a spirit behind all of this. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against what? Principalities and powers. When Daniel said there was a fight going on in the spiritual realm because his prayer was not answered until 21 days later, what did Gabriel say? I was detained because I was fighting against who? The angel Gabriel says I was fighting against who? The, The prince of Persia, a demonic entity, a fallen angel that rules over Persia. Well, guess what? The principalities that rule over Persia have soaked it in the Islamic lie, which is totally Antichrist. And what weds a lot of these countries together, when you start to look at these countries that go with Magog, they're all Islamic. Woo! Crazy, right? And they all have that Antichrist spirit where they deny that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus says, who is the one? The Bible says, who is the one that denies that Jesus is the Christ, right? This is Antichrist whoever denies the Father and the Son. And on the mosque overlooking, that's on top of to the Al-Aqsa Mosque and the, uh, the you know, the, the, you got both, both mosques actually say Allah is God and he has no son. Right on the Temple Mount where the Antichrist will sit, which is the doctrine of the Antichrist. I mean, guys, it just like all fits like a hand in a glove. So what's, what's amazing is it wouldn't make any sense years ago. Any of this, right? So as we continue to look at this, it gets really crazy because in verse Five, we see Ethiopia. Look at verse 5 again. Persia, Ethiopia, which today is not Ethiopia as we know it. It's modern Sudan. Now, Sudan is a Muslim nation. And if you look at the history of Sudan in the last 30, 40 years, they didn't go through as much as Armenia. I mean, Armenia just almost got just totally destroyed by the Muslims. We have Armenian Christians here right now. They tried to dis- the, the Ottoman Empire, Turkey, right? Before Erdogan, the early part of this century destroyed millions and millions of killed of Armenians. Armenians, we might say. Sometimes, oh, Armenians, meaning they weren't Calvinists? No, not those kind of Armenians, okay? (laughs) A-R-M-E, not A-R-M-I, right? And guess what? That happened in the Sudan. Last 35, 40 years, 2 million Christians killed by the Muslims. It's basically a Muslim nation now. You didn't hear much about that in the news if you're over 40, right? 30, you should have been hearing about a lot. There's a a Holocaust that's been taking place there. And then, who's the next nation mentioned? Put, okay? Put, or as we, in verse, I'm sorry, verse 5, Persia, Ethiopia, and put. uh, And it's interesting because that is modern day Libya. So your translation is right. That's modern day Libya. Remember Moadar Qaddafi, right? Ravenous, you know, Muslim leader who Reverend Wright was meeting with, who was Obama's uh, pastor, right? He was, he, you know, but guess what? They have their country, they've got political parties that are tied in the Muslim Brotherhood to this day and Al-Qaeda and so forth. And these nations that are mentioned is just mind-boggling, you know? And then in verse six, Gomer with all her troops, Beth uh, Tagarma and uh, and from the remote parts of the north with all its troops, many people with you. And Gomer, uh, Beth Tagarma, most believe today is uh, part of what's modern day Turkey, okay? Now, this is, this is interesting, guys, because Turkey wants to rebuild the Ottoman Empire. Russia wants to rebuild the Soviet Union or even more. They want even more land. They want to build the old Roman Empire back up. And Turkey and Russia, it's weird that Ru- Turkey's supposed to be a NATO nation, right? But they are friends with Russia. And you can see this going down and them turning, right? So, this gets really crazy because how many of you are thinking, okay, this all makes so much sense. By the way, does this make a lot of sense? It's crazy, huh? Okay. That's one reason you go to Blessed Hope Chapel, right? right? Praise the Lord. Right, Shiloh? Praise God. <laughs> Picking on Shiloh now. Is, uh, but guess what? There's, there's crazier things going down. How does this fit with Biden talking about the new world order and how we're going to lead it? I mean, I mean, wait a minute. That, does that throw, I mean, who's the new world order? Where's it coming from? Is that kind of confusing? Not at all. You know why? Because there's also going to be a new world order, another group of nations, specifically run by one nation and one main city. This is the beast right here. But in Revelation 17, 18, you have a whore of Babylon contrasted with the bride of Christ, man. And she sits on the beast, and the beast hates her. But the beast works with her. Why? Because she buys all the beast. She buys all the beast oil. She's, she buys all their goods. And she rides the beast. And the beast doesn't like her on top of her. And, and well, who's in that region constantly trying to run that part of the world? Oh, I'm sorry, it's us. Yeah, it's us. Oh, and the beast, the, the harlot that rides it, the beast, it says she rules over the kings of the world. Whoa, wait a second. You know, Russia, UK, and France, all three pretty big powers. How many bases they have around the world? All together? 30. You know how many bases, military bases we have? 800. Oh, and it says that when she's destroyed with fire, don't freak out. That's at the end of the tribulation, okay? When she's destroyed with fire, the merchants around the earth will lament, saying, who will buy our goods anymore? In other words, she's the main importer of the world. Who's the main importer of the world? We are. We're the main consumers. Oh, and by the way, she has a golden cup full of her abominations by which she morally pollutes the rest of the world. Who is that? Is that China? Or is that, is that the... Who is that? I'm sorry. I've been all around the world, guys. And you see people, you're America. And they want to talk about Hollywood. They want to talk about the music industry. You got Hollywood shirts. You, you go into Israel and you see the, the, the TV. It's MTV. You go to wherever you go. I'm visiting Uganda and they're upset the Christians are because Rick Warren and at that time uh, Clinton are trying to uh, get them to accept homosexuality, you know, and we push our abortion around the world and we we, taxpayer money goes there. Every time a Democrat's in, Republican comes in, they stop the funding of other nations with our abortion money, our tax cut money. Now, wait a minute. What other nation fits all these things I just mentioned? Come on. I'll give you... 10 more seconds to tell me one That fits all those things. You can't. Oh, but it's a city. But it's mystery Babylon. It's a mysterion. And New York City, it houses not only Wall Street, Commerce, but the United Nations, capital for the United Nations. Okay? And and there's a place in New York called Babylon. Place, right? And we got the, for the Masons from France, gave us a Statue of Liberty, which is based on a goddess. And it's like, hey, everybody. And, oh, wait a minute. I'm into another message I'm going to give. You guys want to hear a whole message on this? Okay, we'll get into that another time. This was just, this was just a teaser. Amen. What's that? Liberty, <laughs> Let's just stay late. Don't do that, bro, because you're, you're not doing nursery, man. <laughs> I got I to hear it from them, man. <laughs> no, no, I hear you, bro. I hear you. So what time do we usually end? Right now, right? It's time to, it's time to end. The head of the nursery just told me right now is when you usually end. So hey, you guys, kind of a trip, right? Does all this make sense? Okay. Woo, man, it's either on or it's all going to shift. And it was like, wow, that was a good head fake. right. I love you guys, man. Look to Jesus. Don't freak out. Look to Jesus. Amen. Love you guys. Let's all stand up.